I am very excited today. I'm here with a very special guest and one of my favorite authors, William Ramsey, who wrote Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, 9-11, and the New World Order. And without further ado, I just want to give William a chance to introduce himself and let you all know uh, what kind of work he does and uh, where you can find his work. Hi, William. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Great to be with Great. you. If you don't mind, just uh, let everybody know who you are and how you got into this and what kind of research you do. Well, I mean, I think this is my first book, Prophet of Evil. It's very timely right now. We're almost at the 20-year anniversary of the 9-11 event. I wrote it 11 years ago. I think I first published my first edition in 2010. And uh, it was really kind of an uh, outgrowth of my research into 9-11 and Aleister Crowley. So the title kind of is a long title, Prophet of Evil, Aleister Crowley, 9-11 and the New World Order. And uh, I've written five books since then. And I have five documentaries on Vimeo. And wow. I've been very active. I got kicked off of YouTube. So I've been very active on uh, podcasting and broadcasting. So my kind of investigative journalism broadcast is titled William Ramsey Investigates. So you can see tons of interviews and things like that there. But uh, this book I'm particularly proud of. I think it stands the test of time. A lot of people reference it. But uh, it kind of fuses together the concepts of uh, really Aleister Crowley and uh, the 9-11, which a lot of people would not put together. I didn't initially put it together. But uh, there's numerical ideological connections between what people talk about the New World Order and Aleister Crowley and 9-11. Absolutely. And, and from there, I think that's a perfect opportunity to dive right into the cover page. Um, so if you will, will you let people know how you first discovered that, when you discovered it, and and for people that don't know um, exactly what I'm referring to, um, as far as the cover page and the well, flag. it's the numerology really is kind of like the giveaway, right? So the actual date is 9/11. <clears throat> so you see these numbers, and I was kind of wondering, there's a over predominance of this number 11 in that date and the buildings and things like that. But there was another researcher. His name was uh, May M A Y. And he saw something called, he called it like uh, some, some code. So he was, uh, he was part of what's known as the ghost troop, which was like a group of people talking during that time. But he did never made the uh, connection to the Western esoteric tradition. So I was like, that was kind of what started me off. So I was kind of more aware of what these numbers meant and was trying to figure out, <clears throat> you know, what the connection was and started putting pieces together. And 11 is a very important number in the Western esoteric or occult tradition. And it represents a lot of things, but it really specifically represents a lot of things to Aleister Crowley. It was really the number of magic. So you see the, the pentagram and the hexagram come together, which is the macrocosm and the microcosm come together in the uh, magician in the number of 11. So uh, that's very important in how Crowley, I got led to Crowley as I kept saying this 93, and if you look at like the picture of my of my book, you'll see the 11, flight 93, 93rd floor, 77. So all these numbers in Crowley's tradition, he really created his own religion. He was really a magus, a very intelligent guy. But he created his own religion called Philema, but it had a lot of numerology in that religion. And actually other religions do, even Christianity has numeral numbers. I don't think they're, they're reference numbers. Uh, in Christianity, there's the same thing in Thelema. So 93 in Crowley's system, 11 represents a lot of stuff. So there was in Crowley's kind of favorite book or most important book, which is called the Book of the Law, uh, which he received from he, what he called an entity uh, called Awas in 1904 in Egypt. But uh, 11 was included in that. So he, it said 11 is uh, those who are of us. So it's this rap kind of satanic reference. And then 93, he used some, Crowley used something called gematria, which is actually kind of a construct within the Jewish Kabbalah, where you take words and give them a numerical value, and those, word, those numbers add up. Well, he found that these two kind of major words in Greek in his religion, Thelema, which I just mentioned, and agape, which means love, both added up in the, I think, uh, kind of English Kabbalah or the Arabic numeral system to 93. So it became a shorthand among people who, who followed Crowley, 93, 93, 93. So 93 is very important to Crowley. 77 itself was uh, represented kind of uh, the, like he had this difference between the Babylon and the beast and, and those conjoined together or 77, two 77s together. 
So 77 was important to Crowley. And then 175 was a ritual or is a ritual in Crowley's Salemic tradition about the God who you adore. And it's often used in, in adoration of Satan. So you'll see that with any, even in Western culture, uh, the use of adoration towards uh, Lucifer. So you see all that numerology in there. And that's really kind of what set me up. Once I realized that, I really wanted to find out who Alistair Crowley was. And I didn't want to kind of take what uh, other people were saying. I truly tried to get the source material. I read a lot of his biographies, Kaczynski, Sutin. Uh, there were some, his, his uh, literary uh, biographer was a book called The Great Beast. So I read those, but then I, there's tons of source documents that you can read. So I really look at those documents. And then in this book, I really focused on people who knew Crowley. So you'll see vignettes or, or pieces in the book of people who either met Crowley or with Crowley, like Ernest Hemingway, you know, strange characters, uh, people that we know kind of publicly. But then that kind of came together. So really what the, the whole gist of the book is Crowley's ideas of creating kind of a a new world order, a slave state. He really believed in aristocracy. So he believed that slaves shall serve. That was an important line in his, in his doctrines. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of see this, this kind of elite revolution in 9-11 and really the new world order. People have called it the old world order. So it's really kind of an elite idea of really controlling the world. So I think I do believe in part Crowley's ideas and the occultism all wrapped up and intertwined in the event of 9-11. And before we get too deep into Crowley, uh, I was wondering if you wanted to discuss how you actually made the connection of the floor numbers and where the flights hit. Well, I mean, you can just look at it. I mean, you this if you watch the videos and things like that, I think it's roughly approximate on those numbers. I don't whether that was intentional. I believe it probably was intentional. Will you, uh, will you explain for people what we're referring to for those that haven't read your book? Right. So, I mean, it, the, I think it's the North Tower and the South Tower, both, by the way, 110 stories. So it's an 11 there. And there's a huge 11 just on the skyline. And I think in the occult, the 11 rep is an ideogram. So it's two opposites. And you probably they, it was a huge magical working because the new World Trade Center is a huge looks like a union of those opposites in the hexagram. So there's some very deep things happening with the those buildings are really were also called Nelson and David after the Rockefellers who really financed everything. And you followed the Rockefeller family. But uh, I think that those, those, <clears throat> those numbers, I think that the, the planes and the flights and the numbers were all very important elements in a very thought out, well drawn out to plan. And so that numerology probably is there for the, the, the room, uh, the tower, I mean, the, the floor numbers in the towers. But interestingly, the 9-11 the, uh, event was September 11th, 2001. Well, there's a very famous George Bush senior speech that took place on September 11th, 1990. So 11 years to the date, he talked about a new world order and uh, talked about the, you know, against the law of the jungle. So you see this, I think that the, the plot and the plan uh, was very much laid out. And actually there was a senator from Nebraska who actually kind of blurted that out, I think, was trying to tell people, hey, this thing is way, he was on the 9-11 uh, commission. So mm -hmm. I, there's a lot of numerology, but it's not the numerology people would think at first glance where like the numbers have power. They're not numbers have power. They have references to meaningful axioms or ideas within the Western esoteric tradition. Oh, I've never really heard it put that way. That's interesting. Hmm. And uh, hmm. I've seen your film um, relating to this, this with the same title. Uh, I rented it on Vimeo. People can go there and see it. I, I really strongly suggest people do that. Uh, one thing I was going to bring up about the George Bush speech um, that he first gave, I think it was at the United Nations 11 years to the day before, uh, he gave this same speech multiple times. And you show that in your film. And one thing that struck me, and I wanted to ask you uh, your opinion on it, is him referring to the law, the law of the right. jungle. Right. So did you think this was the book of the law? I'm not totally sure, but he did say something very occult, which is the bridge, crossing the bridge or the Pontex map. It's very, and you'll see crossing the rainbow bridge. 
in the occult. So that was a very heavy duty, very deep occult Masonic reference. And we know both the, uh, the Paul Butch family, probably even Prescott Butch, I think they were all skull and bones. So they're in a, an occult secret society. They've been through a death and rebirth ritual um, in a tomb and very graphic in the totality of what's going on. But they had some of those rituals were filmed. So these guys are skilled in the adult occult and they have their own library in, the, in Skull and Bones. So they might have been exposed to Crowley there or an even kind of unknown and, and really not verified. But there's a decent chance that Barbara Bush is the illegitimate offspring of Crowley. I don't know if anybody could ever prove that. But the similarities of the way she looks and the timing of her birth, where Crowley was, where her mom was, her name was Pauline Robinson in um, France. It all kind of syncs up in a very strange way, but would create a continuum from the 30s all the way up to 2001. Yeah, and it would make sense. It would it would help with uh, some of the so and so since we've gone there, let's talk about, um, I guess, the pet goat a little bit, which um, I have your book here open to um, Levi's rendition of the Baphomet, which is very important, a very important symbol, not only in Western esotericism, but really I've I've wondered if this was a, um, you know, almost a remake and and, uh, other authors, um, particularly Michael Hoffman in Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare, um, if this is um, a continuation of, what is in uh, Rosicrucian manifestos or, you know, the, um, the alchemists, the ancient alchemist ideas of transmutation or human transmutation or, or mental transmutation. But I wondered if you would kind of speak on that, uh, Levi and his rendition of the Baphomet and how right, that. So, well, Eliphas Levi died in 1875. Crowley was born in 1875. So Crowley didn't just translate his books, but he thought he was the reincarnation of Eliphas Levi. And so Elvis Levi was kind of a groundwork and probably one of the main influences upon Crowley. And Elvis Levi was an ex-Catholic priest and he wrote this kind of famous picture of the goat of Mendes or Baphomet, what they called. And he's making all these signs, uh, salve et coagula, which is an alchemical uh, axiom. And he's got the moon, the suns. It looks like, uh, what is it? Comet pizza, actually. But uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's a whole nother story. But the uh, um, so Elvis Levy is a very important person in the Western esoteric tradition. But how much of his ideas permeated 9-11? I don't know. But I do believe that that alchemy is really a very important. I mean, you can see it in Harry Potter, really. Harry Potter, Potter is an alchemist. And you want to talk about 11s. Harry Potter's name is an 11, a five and a six. His, his wand is an 11. So you can People are being exposed to that. They're being almost initiated in through Harry Potter. I didn't know that. So you're so you're probably obviously aware that if you put the Harry Potter logo in a mirror, it's it says 9-11. I'm not surprised. And you have the you have the lightning. So uh right. Christ said, I saw Satan Power. fall from heaven like the lightning or something. I can't remember the exact same thing. So lightning is and then that's on on his forehead, right? And actually, the, it's very clever. Uh, Harry Potter does kind of tie in to, in a lot of ways, but it also is very cleverly written um, because the way it's juxtaposed is the muggles are the really boring people, but then there's a, the bad magician, and therefore this magician's good, right? So they're actually telling people that magic actually is good. I don't, I don't practice magic. I'm a Christian. Jesus Christ, the Messiah. I don't believe in any of that. So, but I, I, you can understand these overlapping things. And I think Harry Potter is a very important cultural phenomenon to understand that uh, a lot of its themes and ideas and numerology overlaps with 9-11. But I don't know, getting back to your point, Eliphas Levy, I don't know exactly how much, but alchemy, you know, you, you're transmuting, like they try, the alchemists of old tried to take actual physical matter and change it into gold. They realized they couldn't do that, but those ideas philosophically translated into the occult tradition so you're trying to turn yourself from base material to gold right so that's it and uh actually i mean the whole idea of synthesis what is it what's that calculation antithesis synthesis comes together that actually comes from magic actually believe it or not it was it was used uh, by hegel the hegelic dialectic yeah the dialectic actually comes from magic so maybe that's something going on in 9-11 i'm sure 
9-11 was an initiation of the whole world and Americans in particular into a totally different. And you can hear those guys talk about ground zero. They, they have their, their ideas about what they intended to do after I think we're within the event. And there's massive changes that happen. We had a basically a, you know, a very, uh, the Patriot Act, wars, genocide in the Middle East. Uh, really dark stuff came out of it. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, from there, um, will you talk a little bit about the Golden Dawn and Alistair's influence or involvement, rather? So Crowley, uh, very intelligent guy, came out of uh, Darby's Plymouth Brethren, but he was in a subset of the Plymouth Brethren called the Exclusive Brethren. So his family thought they were really almost Puritan, puritanical. <clears throat> and the father was a pamphleteer, a Christian pamphleteer who died when Crowley was 12, left him to his mother and his, his uh, uncle. He didn't like his uncle. He was sent to Plymouth Brethren boarding schools where he was beaten and he almost died. So he had a very negative uh, uh, feeling for that. Went to Cambridge and really became interested in a mountain climbing poetry and occultism. So once he got done with, with Cambridge, he, he left without getting a degree. He thought it was beneath him. He found and was in the kind of <clears throat> looking and searching for cold stuff. And what he found was the Golden Dawn, a pre-existing group of kind of post-Masonic occultists. So they had already gone through masonry and their next step, and they were involved in ritual magic and all their stuff are really available today. A lot of it's published, but uh, for Crowley, this was kind of like a sacrament for him. He said he was initiated into the Golden Dawn they were using a Masonic temple right outside of Buckingham Palace at the time. So he was, I think, initiated somewhere in the late 1890s and became very involved in advanced degrades. There were two levels. He took on the kind of, he learned from this guy named McGregor Mathers, who was a ceremonial magician, which means you've got all the implements, the wand, the floor coverings and all that stuff. So that's where Crowley kind of got his start in actually practical ritual magic and that was kind of a springboard so he taught learned a lot from there he actually took an oath, oath not to publish his their stuff and then he published it and there was a lawsuit so there's a record of Crowley and Mathers suing each other and uh, the judge thought it was a big joke they took themselves seriously he had conflicts with uh, William uh, was it Butler I think it was, uh, no, it was uh, William Butler Yeats, who's a well-known poet, and who was also a member of the Golden Dawn, who attributed all his poetic uh, creations to magic. So he was mixing with kind of like the elite there, and uh, that was really kind of a spring forward in the, before he even started the Lima. So he learned a lot from that. So that's like the ritual magic elements. Of, and, then, you know, you have to put Crowley within the elite. He was definitely a classist and a very class-conscious country at that time and uh, very wealthy he had you know the equivalent of his inheritance was like 20 million dollars today which he blew through but he so wow. he didn't have any he never worked in his life he was a very i would call him a spoiled child mm -hmm. of privilege and uh yeah so that was really the golden dawn was uh hyper influence i think really one of the primary occult influences upon Crowley. and there's actually a book in there that what guy there were three guys who started the Golden Dawn, and one wrote a book whose title is, I think it's Numbers and Their Occult Mystic Value. His name was William Wynn Westcott, and it's uh, Numbers, Their Occult Power, Mystic Virtue. So it says, upon the number 11, this seems to have been the type of number with an evil reputation among all peoples. The Kabbalists contrasted it with the perfection of the Decad or 10. And so 11 is the essence of all that is sinful, harmful, and imperfect. Mm. And so that's, that, uh, that's what he's picking the, up from the Golden Dawn. And that's one of the founders of the Golden Dawn who wrote that? That's correct. William Wynn Westcott was his name, uh, a post-Masonic kind of magician. Do any of these founders speak about Hermes? I mean, you have this Hermeticism. So is, the, is there, how does Hermes come into play there? Well, I think so. I think that, that they, you know, the gods, the ancient gods are symbols for them. They're not real gods. And they symbolize certain precepts. So Hermes was a messenger, I think. Like Hermione is the female Hermes uh, of Harry Potter. But uh, I think that you see that, you see that intertwining thing, like you mentioned the, the uh, uh, what do you call it? The, um, 
Goat of Mendes or whatever, the Baphomet has that circular Hermes thing going on there. But I, I know I think it's just a part of the occult tradition. I wouldn't say Crowley really emphasized that as much. Okay. And, you know, talking about Harry Potter, I've discussed this before. Uh, it seems that you've done, you know, quite a bit of research into magic. So uh, I've always, you know, it seems that this uh, J.K. Rowling character, she wasn't just a, you know, housewife or, you know, down on her luck in a coffee shop writing a novel. It seems she really did, you know, some studying. Yeah, so she has a very good, at 32, I think, was when the first Harry Potter was written. So she had an excellent understanding, excellent understanding of the Western esoteric tradition. I know that she was a classics major in college, so she may have picked up stuff on the way. But she had the foundations on point right there when Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, was, which is a play on the Western esoteric idea of the Philosopher's Stone, right? Right. So right. she had it all down, names, numbers, Hermione, Hermes all these characters, Harry Potter, um, is pretty remarkable. So uh, some people have disputed her Genesis story of Harry Potter. I think that she might've had help from the outside or some, she might have a ghost. She might just be a front for somebody else. Yeah. I don't know. I could never prove that, but uh, it wouldn't be the first time that artists have had ghost writers or, or people ghost write books for people. Right, exactly. Yeah, or yeah, li almost like a, a lifelong actor. Right. Well, here's another here's another thing about her is that her real middle name isn't K. She doesn't even have a middle name. She just added the K there, which is the 11th letter of the alphabet. So she's trying to tell people something. Oh, interesting. Uh, I didn't know. That's that. a no fact. You can go look that up on uh, you can look that up on Wikipedia. I did not know that. Uh, so here um, uh, on page 78, where you uh, are talking about um, Mason Lodges, I just want to make sure I'm reading this correctly, Mason. Masonic lodges have a copy of the Book of the Law? Right. They call it the Book of Law, but it's not Crowley's Book of the Law. It's what they call the Book of Law. So Crowley's borrowing that concept and titling his book, Book of the Law. But in the Masonic lodges, they either have a Bible, a Koran, or something that they would call Book of the Law. Right. But they, so that's basically where he got the title of his book. Right. right. Uh, so he's, he's borrowing from masonry to kind of create his own religion so book of the law is very paramount and then when he created his uh gnostic mass which was kind of like one of the things that he did he actually borrowed a lot of the symbolism from orthodox christianity the centerpiece for that was the book of the law that he received from awas who he later says was satan right so he later yeah. says yeah yeah and so since you brought up awas will you talk about oz and the wizard of oz and how this ties in and the number seven seven right so crowley Lieber oz was his book it was book 77 which he called Lieber oz so that oz was also a gematria term so oz turns out to be 77 and so his Lieber 77 was where he says like there's no man but god uh no god but man actually and uh you know, you, if anybody crosses your path, you can have the right to kill them. So pretty brutal ideas, but uh, he, he has, he's broken it down. And I have the kind of calculation at the end of my book about 77. So you have to kind of read it, but it ties into a lot of the ideas of Crowley. Like I said earlier, it was the element of Babylon, B-A-B-A-L-O-N, he titled it. So um, yeah, Oz was basically set, uh, corresponds to 77 in Crowley's, Crowley's ideas. Do you think uh, the um, Wizard of Oz stories and films were influenced then by Crowley? Maybe, but he, I mean, that guy, what was his name? Berg? I forgot what the writer's name was. He, right. he was very much, uh, I think he was a Blavatsky follower, right? So he was into her religion. So I think he integrated a lot of stuff from that. Okay, okay. I just find so I find it so eerie to think about this magician behind a curtain and even uh, some other researchers I, who I can't think of the name of now. Um, one one uh, in particular, Jake Kotza, um, uh, um, he yeah, he, he would look at things synchromysticism. Synchrom and, well, here's here. Do you want to talk about something that's very odd and very synchronous mysticism? Go watch uh, the, the African-American version of The Wizard of Oz called The Wiz. Do you remember that it had Michael Jackson in it? Do you know where they finish off doing their last scene in the Emerald City? Yeah. You do? 
Where yeah, they ended up? Yeah. Yeah, but go ahead and tell me it's the World well, Trade Center. Yeah, it's it? the World Trade Center. So it's right there at the very center. They have the ball, the uh, uh, spherical caryatid, which is a term of a temple. And that ball features into Fight Club and all these other things. So it's featured in Fight Club, which published, which came out in 1999. So there's all kinds of, they knew what was going on in, in 1999. They, they foreshadowed 9-11. That's what I was getting at. Um, because yeah, there's pyramids and they're and they're almost oh. dancing around that sphere in a in a ritualistic fashion. And I think they go through some sort of portal or gate after crossing the bridge to get to the Emerald City, which is the World Trade Center. And go look at Michael Jackson's stuff. He, there actually are uh, obelisks at the end of uh, Thriller and the videos. There's a lot of occultism there, much more than you might people might be aware of. He used to have a jacket with the seven seven sevens down there which is what Crowley's tables of correspondences were. He put together this table that took all the world's religion and, and put, showed that, you know, Egyptian and Greek gods were just different names for the same concept. Right, so you'll which, see that. Yeah. Yeah. That is, uh, have you um, heard then about um, the term Prisca Theologia, which I feel say like. Say that again. That sounds familiar. Prisca Theologia. Yeah, what, what is that? It's basically what you said, the idea okay. that all, religions stem from the same um uh, yeah or or an ancient uh, theology is what it basically means and uh i i read about it first in michael hoffman's book um but the more i have read your book and read others books like sk bain's uh 9-11 as mass ritual right well we can go into sk bain all his research is all based upon my book he admits it it on the intro but they yeah well he may not even have written that book. It may have been written by Peter Lavenda and that he's just a front. I wonder about No, it's even worse because in my opinion, um, they took my core concepts and then they twisted it and took out all the stuff I had about George Bush Sr. and all the stuff about the New World Order. So it's actually, in my opinion, a limited hangout that actually is... Uh, Kind of, yeah. In my opinion, they're mind raping uh, the 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 people who think that that's an honest book. Well, and I think it's that bad. It's that really that bad. It's very that. grotesque, actually. You know, that's interesting because it kind of tie that. Thanks for sharing that. I, you know, I, well, I, uh, my suggestion to you is to get my book and put their book next to them, and go read the last chapters and see who's telling you the truth. And who's saying that uh, Tempe, Arizona is going to blow up on four four and all this nonsense. I was do yourself a favor and then you got to ask why is this book out there why did this guy work oh whoa whoa. he worked for the project of new american century he's admitted that and i think he was a a a kabbalah he admitted to being in kabbalah as well and i didn't i think that i think i have to go back and find this out but i'm pretty i think peter yeah yeah i didn't actually Uh, people i'm not telling you there's very educated people who got in my opinion got fooled by that book and got played like a you know accordion so i feel sorry for you uh if you think that book is legit i true in my opinion but i truly feel sorry for you so yeah. it's yeah we can get i mean it's really bad well I, yeah. I mean, that's very interesting because i mean on that note uh again i i'm a big fan of michael hoffman's books and he just published his 20 year sequel to that book I previously mentioned, it's called Twilight Language. And what you're speaking about almost kind of makes so much sense in the fact that uh, what someone would do is take your truth and spill it out in a way that would shock and awe, but then spin it and add, yeah, I couldn't even finish the prediction at the end. I actually didn't finish that part of the book, the the, the new coming predicted 9-11. Um, and, and, did anything that they predicted come true? Did anything predicted in that book come true? No, I don't believe zero. So. Nothing. And was it published uh, right around the same time that you put yours in? My first my book was published in 2010, and I think theirs came out 2012, 2013. It gets pretty deep, but I mean, I feel sorry for you. If you think that's an honest book, I feel sorry for you. That's my opinion. I mean, I. Very interesting. Yeah. Oh, it's deep. Well, that guy. <laughs> Hey, man, I'm telling you. Uh, 2022 and the coming of God. And, you know, anytime someone is predicting the coming of God, I'm always very. Uh, you should be very suspicious of Bain and Lavenda. 
especially if you're a Christian, you should be very specific. Thank you. I mean, we can okay. talk offline, baby. I'm just much worse than you think. But oh, really? I feel sorry for anybody who thinks that book's an honest book. I really do. I pity you. I pity anybody. Well, that's part of what getting to the truth is all about. And, and well, you I have to learn. Yeah, limited I hangouts. I read your uh, book first. Bait and switch. Yeah. And then... Um, well, mine came out first. So. Yeah, I read your book first. Um, I'd read your book um, and I'd seen it referenced many times. And um, then I finally was able to get the, the hard copy and I reread it again. And uh, then just recently got SK Bain's book. Actually, a friend of mine sent it to me. Um, and uh, it, it, again, he, he, he mentions you in it. It's very much in line with this, except for all the end. Right. So he leads you on. And it, but it also leaves out so much of the evidence that shows that you really did a lot of research. I mean, this, this book here is just, I mean, first of all, it's much thicker. This is almost like a textbook that you wrote here. And like you said, the, 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 the index in the back and you've got the Gnostic Anthem, the hymns to pan, you've got so much. And you can just tell that you really, really read through a lot. You scanned Alistair Crowley's documents. And so, uh, it's definitely a much more in-depth book which is why i reached out to you well, i appreciate it well yeah. truly truly i tell you in time i will be completely vindicated and the th people who think and can compare two pieces of paper together will realize there's real serious problems with that book with bain's book okay wow. very serious so he may not do i think that i I'm a, i gotta go back and check i'm pretty sure that peter lavenda there's rituals of peter lavenda doing oto rituals i think you're gonna get something so, solid from a guy who admires Crowley and worked at the magical child and is writing books with uh the long and i mean don't get me started anyway is, did he uh omit Crowley in a in a way like I, now that you mentioned that i kind of think like Crowley's not really mentioned a whole lot in there and that read the that books note, read the book side to side you i mean note, do you think in my that, opinion it's it's an operation that book is an operation against t the public from really understanding things that's my opinion okay i will be vindicated in time okay good to know on that note do you think uh because the number 93 you you wrote a lot about the number 93 unlike others there's really nobody who has really made that connection so do you think that uh because i've always wondered if there were thelemites who saw the the event and yes. flight 93 and saw it as a calling almost what do you think it's a signature yeah. yeah they saw the 11 and 93 and they just knew exactly what was going on really yeah i think so i think that well, uh, any thelemite any thelemite who saw the events of 9 11 even just the 11 they could put it together when the first plane hits it's an 11 it's right there 175 even a deeper thelema they all knew they all I, it's a signaling function no question okay, so on that note let's talk about 175 and the face i know you're aware of the face yeah i don't i think that's a it's it's possible but you know it, there all the other factual ele elements are scary yeah. enough whether yeah, yeah. a bomb so, looks so, like a satanic face or not well, so we're not being factual. We're, we're being speculative here. So let's put it, let's put the evidence aside and speculate a bit. You, you're a Christian. I, I, I've, I've, I've had to work so hard to debunk the fact that that was Photoshopped. It's not Photoshopped. Right. And I've proven that it's in multiple angles. And with 175, I'd always wondered because I'd read what I can of Liber 175. Um, it's very hard to read anything just like Crowley it's all jargon I commend you anything you uh, everything you've done is amazing because Crowley's work is really so hard to read and um and it's and it's really like you said it's what is it is it jargon <laughs> mumbo jumbo new age all of it it's all of that <laughs> yeah and so I just wondered again if 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 Liber 175 could actually be this spiritual if, if flight 175 could have been the spiritual thing um it's, it's really made me wonder. I mean, I think really what happened in 9-11 is those planes all were all landed near Cleveland or something like that, and fake planes were sent out. So yeah. all those people were probably... Have you uh, seen my film by chance, 9-11 Alchemy? No, but I need to watch it. Watch That's the name of my film, 9-11 Alchemy, Facing Reality. Okay, well, uh, let's make an arrangement where you come and talk about your film on my show. How about that? Okay. Well, I'm putting a new one out and okay, this interview will be in there because this one's more about the occult. I do mention 
Crowley in the last one, but that was before I had read your book and finding your book was like just total confirmation of things I had noticed. Is your book, is your movie coming out before 9-11, 2021? It'll New be right movie? on the anniversary. Okay, perfect. Well, let's, let's talk, let's figure that out. Let's work that out. I'd love to talk with you about that. I mean, I don't know what your opinions are. We can have differing opinions. Uh, that's sure. totally fine. That's the problem is I, what I, I made my film because I noticed the truth movement was repeating nonsense. They had so many ties to nonprofit organizations and government stuff. They were leaving out all the occult stuff. No talk about no planes. And, and I realized that there was a cover up, and it was, the truth movement and all the scholars and lawyers and architects and engineers they they were corrupt and they were also using masonic symbolism and other type of symbolism in their logos even uh the architects and engineers for instance is basically the masonic compass and there's other instances of this where i've seen lawyers committee for 9-11 spell out lucifer 911, and you you know going so, into those groups if they achieved anything it's a total waste of time it, it was. my opinion and that's why i made my film because i realized they were lying and then i realized people like simon shack um who made um the september clues people like ace baker who made the great 9-11 psy opera and um even others like uh unfortunately what is called the blockbuster the first internet blockbuster which was loose change right um, these people would talk about um you know fake video that all the people who filmed the planes faked their video and i'm a video editor and a and a videographer and i, I just know that was impossible in 2001 and and i just knew it and then i found out that the people making these films were actually tied to companies that work on advanced optics for the military optic technology and directed energy and i and i realized oh my gosh it's a huge cover-up for advanced technology and 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 it tied right into arthur c clark right. and, and this technocratic idea of ritualistic magic you know any use what's his what's his third axiom any use of high technologies indistinguishable from magic yeah and you talk about it being a technology influenced magic ritual in your film what did, what did you mean by that well i think that they're they're exposing i mean they used high technology to trick people into thinking something happened that didn't happen so i think they're the the came out of the military industrial complex which is one generation ahead of anything that the public has at least one generation right. uh that we have as far as technology which should scare you uh but um yeah, I think that Arthur, Arthur C. Clarke and Kubrick actually foreshadowed 9-11 with 2001. So it's a huge event. The, the date was picked, came out mm. of high, hyper high masonry. Mm. I think that uh, Hoffman's book, The Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare, goes in and talks about the monolith as uh, Ashlar. So it's like something that comes out of the Masonic thing. It's one thing. And that's what they included in 2001. And you can see that in the Millennium Hotel. Why is it called the Millennium Hotel? Why is it shaped right. like a monolith? Why are right. all these monoliths all over the place? Why are the Georgia Guardstones monoliths? Mm. So you can see, if you take the wide angle look, you can see all those people. And Arthur C. Clarke, brilliant guy, man. Go read his books. If you read Children of the Beast, my other book, Children of the Beast, I go into Arthur C. Clarke. He has all the numerology. He has all the illuminated numerology down. So they wow. had the 11 stories. The, the monolith in 2001 is 11 feet tall, right? in 1977 yeah well and it's yeah right so uh they had all the numerology in one of his books i can't remember which childhood's end or something like that he had 77s 93s they're repeating all these important numbers so now that esotericism is you know got distributed and arthur c clark was a genius and also a pedophile so mm. yeah pretty cool stuff so uh, hoffman's book is excellent i need to get his new book but I, I think that his book, The um, Psychological Warfare, that book will last the test of time. It's really well. I wish he had referenced it. I wish he had put it in where he got his information. Yeah, it's very, uh, it's a very uh, particular author, different than uh, a lot of authors. Uh, I, I think your book will absolutely stand the test of time. I think someone needs to bury it in a time capsule for the future generations when this world totally changes um, because 
I, I think if you don't, if you, it, it, even though it makes us uncomfortable, especially for Christians and, and, and people, and especially even just for closed-minded people that are just not spiritual at all, it's hard to look at the occult side of 9-11, but you can't actually understand what happened on that day unless you look at this. And I, I wanted you to talk about AA and American Airlines and 1-1, you know, no, AA and 1-1 and AA-77. You know. It's all there. It's like Astrum Argentum, which was Crowley's oh, secret society, is uh, AA11. So you see all the just the numerology, numerological representations. What was but, AA? What's up? What What was AA for people that don't know? Well, there. I mean, Crowley's was the Astrum Argentum or Silver Star, which is the reference of the moon. That was his kind of mail order magical school. So you, and it still exists today. But you would learn all these magical things. You would find a, ma a head or a master who would train you. And that was it. So that was kind of his thing. So you can see the silver star, the AA is uh, his insignia or her, his uh, cult symbol is still around. But it's uh, weird that the American Airlines was for 11 and 77, which were both, you know, right. you, yeah, you know. It's just, I mean, it was, I think that that was really, they put a lot of thought and energy into that. And uh, it was planned in advance. The real power, yeah. It's, it's, when is this photo? What What is this photo here with Bush and his hat? Right, so there's the 77 again. He's got his photo. Go look at his aircraft carrier. What's the number of his aircraft carrier? 77. So he knows what he's doing, yeah. So he's tying himself to that. And go read, you can read my book and all the stuff he said and all the stuff that foreshadowed it. And probably the 2000 election was probably... Not, it wasn't like 2020, it was probably a fixed election too. Hunter S. Thompson said as much. So we're really in a technocratic era. We live in a fantasy land if we think we're not. If after 9-11 and the stolen election of 2020. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, you're going to get your leaders are selected. Look at Biden. At the end of my uh, video, at the end of my documentary, 9-11 and the New World Order, there's Biden talking about the New World Order, right? He's making yeah. new, new World Order speeches. They all are. Kerry. Yeah. Biden, Bush. Yeah. So it's an stuff. elite idea, but it's there. They're they're signaling to each other. Like I'm in on the game, man. I'm gonna be an elite and I'm gonna be part of the global aristocracy and the slave shall serve. Yeah. And they and they love to they love to change. So right there, before I forget, you said the slave shall serve. It was so hard for me to find the commentary on the book of the law, but I finally found it. It's sold for like thousands of dollars, but I found a, a digital version and I read it. And oh my gosh, if if people do not know, will you just tell people some of the things that he is talking about on the commentary for the book of the law, which I think is way worse than the actual book? Yeah, just all kinds of terrible stuff. Like he really believed in the aristocratic revolution. And he talked about, I don't know, some of the commentary, I think one of the commentaries I included in my book was, you know, you should give them the quiet wisdom of the cattle. So the average person is a cow, and then you will kill them for their uh, hide and, and mutton. So, you know, they, they had total contempt for hum other human beings who are outside of their class. And I mean, yeah. I, I think I included some of those references from that book in there. You did. You did. And you also talked about it being intended to be public policy. Right. All right. So, uh, I mean... Yeah. So again, that makes me think about Bush and the the law, you know. Right. No, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, they're Brahmins. They're highest, highest class uh, of America. If you have a class system, they're at the very top. I think that her, his mother was like part of one of these big um, Wall Street firms. I think that her dad or her dad's dad or something was part of so one of the firms, and then I think Prescott Bush worked for um, the Harry Harriman brothers. So these are all kind of white shoe firms and uh, really the Eastern elite. The, the Bushes play themselves off as like Texas, you know, uh, rubes or something like that. They're not. They, Yale, right. Yale, Yale, Secret mm -hmm. Society, right. uh, Skull and Bones, uh, Bohemian Club. This so, goes on. Uh, Intel, the head of the CIA. I want to I want to talk a little bit about um, because I know you I know you've uh, done quite a bit of research on this how the how in my opinion there's evidence that 
technology and technological, you know, institutes have been influenced by Crowley, and you outline that in your book. One in particular is Jet Propulsion Laboratory and NASA and the OTO. Will you talk a little bit about Jack Parsons and Sure. I mean, I think Parsons was considered by Crowley to be his number one um, adherent at one point. And so there's all kinds of messages between Crowley and Parsons. Parsons was located in Pasadena, which is where the beginnings of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory started. He was part of one of the, what was called the Suicide Squad. It was him and a guy named Foreman and Molina, I think was the third one. And Molina's daughter, our son, married Jelaine uh, Maxwell's sister or something like that. So there's a weird tie there. But so part of the Suicide Squad and they were in, there's a picture of Jack Parsons uh, doing one of Crowley's Gnostic Masses, which was at a, a building right there in Hollywood. And so they were kind of mixing with a lot of science fiction types, uh, Ron Hubbard being one. And, uh, you know, every time they would shoot a rocket off, uh, Parsons would recite Crowley's Hymn to Pan which is probably one of his famous or best known po uh, poems. And so there's all, and Crowley knew about Hubbard, called Hubbard, Hubbard a con man or whatever. But uh, Parsons was very important until he died in 1952. I think there was an explosion and uh, he died, but uh, he said he saw Satan, Parsons did when he was younger and took the oath of the antichrist. So he was really, and all like all these guys, really antagonistic to Christ and Christianity. And then he did the Babylon working with Hubbard out in the desert. Mm. Um, so, yeah, he was doing kind of the same stuff that Crowley did, which was John Dee's magic, uh, Enochian magic. And they were using kind of very, they had this like magical tablet and they were trying to get readings in this other language. Right. My understanding, the purpose of the Babylon working was to kind of pervade the earth with kind of new magical energy. So that like to create a new, you know, a new era or Crowley would say a new aeon. He called the aeon of uh, child. Yeah, something like that. So yeah. I think that's what they're doing. So Parsons was very important. Parsons Parson was important as a, you know, a change agent, at least bringing Crowley's ideas out, at least to the West Coast. Don't you think also that that kind of implicates, um, I mean, space technology? in a huge way. Wouldn't yeah. you say space technology is born out of the occult? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. I mean, I think in some circumstances, yeah, at least under, definitely under Parsons. Uh, Parsons was in, in uh, contact with the, really one of the most important guys in the moon landing was uh, the ex-Nazi, what was his name? Uh, Bond. Right, Werner Braun Braun. And that, and that again, Braun, yeah. right there, I mean, the Nazis have their occult roots as well with and so it, it, it begs the question if nasa and space technology and all this is really just born out of these magical occult workings yeah no i mean i think that there's a there's a very strong possibility and you can talk about it well after hitler died in world war ii crowley said kind of infamously playing off the bible before hitler was i am so he was saying he was kind of like a yeah. precursor to to hitler and he had hitler has all that stuff triumph of the will right so yeah. the lima means will in greek so you have these same ideas and that was really crowley's idea too is the human will overall do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law that's an 11 syllable 11 word uh, action so it's really about human will and if you look juxtapose that with kind of like the christian outlook it's what's god's will right so you're seeing human will versus god's will but I think that the moon landing was faked. I think that was all magic. I don't think we've ever been to the moon. And uh, the, 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 the number one uh, rocket to get to the moon was what? Apollo. Apollo 11, right? So you see this kind of, they're telling you all this stuff. This is magic. And I, yeah, uh, so why haven't we been back to the moon in 50 years? There's all kinds of problems. The technology in my phone today is more powerful than all the technology that I used to supposedly get to the moon, which took somebody to get out of our, get out of our, uh, you know, whatever environment to get to space, to go through the Van Allen belt, to drop a little shuttle, to drop it off, to fire it back up, attached to that and fly back. 
new. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to believe. I actually, that was actually much harder for me to believe than that 9-11 was fake, was to think the moon landings were fake. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was right there with you for a long time, too. I, I As a kid, I loved NASA. So uh, <laughs> that was, uh, <laughs> was I had I had the Apollo 11 rocket. It was a yeah. big, long, white rocket. You could yeah. take it apart when yeah. I was a kid. It's crushing. So, and, uh, you know, on that note, though, I, nobody ever says what you just said. And that is something I've been dedicated to for years is proving that magic is absolutely part of all of this. You know, that's what it is. It, you just said right there that the, the moon landings were basically a magic trick. That's what 9-11 was, in my opinion. And if you really go back to what is film, uh, the first film made was a trip to the moon. You've got a bunch of wizards taking a trip to the moon, you know? So it's, in me, it's always been like this dark magic sorcery uh, going on and still happening. Yeah, I think that the real head guys, the top top elite are, and, and the Masons, the post-Masons are much more into magic than people would think. They look kind of the same on the surface, but every prime minister of the UK for the last 400 years has been a Mason. You know, you just keep seeing these occult things pop up go to DC and go look at the house of the temple. I mean, somebody lovingly created this house with the sphinxes of Eliphas Levy that have the magical disc dictum to know, to will, to dare, and remain silent. They're right there at the front. So whenever you see a sphinx, you got to kind of sit up in your chair and go, wow, this is referencing Eliphas Levy, who uh, Pike really gratuitous, gratuitously ripped off, is my understanding. Um, so they overlap the occult, uh, the masonry, and uh, yeah, I can't say you know it's it's really an. I mean, it gets really deep. It's 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 a pretty grim situation because I think that a lot of those people kind of are still types in power, and probably why Biden was selected for that office. I don't even know how Trump became president, but uh, I, uh, I I'll be honest with you. Uh, I mean, we can cut this out that. The Trump thing is it's it's esoteric. It's so esoteric as well. I've I've yeah, already, right. you know, you've got the Trump cards within the tarot deck, which right. is the story of the fool, and it's just so, and like you mentioned earlier with the tarot cards and the tower and the lightning bolt and Harry Potter, to me it's all just dark magic. It's almost and and, and what was confirmed for me in Michael Hoffman's new book, one of the things is I've always felt like this predictive programming what we now call predictive programming is more uh, a magic trick. And we are the volunteer with the magician says, Hey, I need a volunteer from the audience. Right. Right. We are that volunteer by watching these films and paying for these movie tickets and then not, uh, you know, objecting, I guess some people right, you say, just go along with it. Right. Right. But it's also a sign of their power to it is. get you involved or let you know, or dangle it in front of your eyes. Indeed. So they're playing a very deep game, a long game too. And uh, yeah, it's pretty disturbing. Do you think this poem um, that you have here, it's a, the Philosopher's Stone one, uh, that made me think about alchemy and it made me think about Harry Potter and 9-11. Uh, and I mean, I think you just see all those, you know, I think you just see all those themes. Like Crowley was really kind of a scholar of the occult. I mean, encyclopedia, he had his own kind of encyclopedia of questionable, questionable veracity or, or uh, yeah. yeah, skill. But I mean, I think that he was really always compiling and putting stuff together. So I think that the Philosopher's Stone, he talked about the elixir of life, these other ideas that had been in Western esotericism for hundreds of years. And the Philosopher's Stone was one of them. It's kind of chalk it up to what you said, him being a spoiled brat who didn't have to work. So he just had time to play around with whatever dark stuff he could find and he's from a class it was a class it's not like the united states this is a very class conscious class based system of hierarchies and your labor for the rest of your life mm. so he didn't mix with uh he wasn't like george orwell who went out and tried to see what the regular people were doing he didn't mm. have that egalitarian sensibility you throw some satanism in there and wealth and he just didn't identify with them and i think there is a crowley figure in harry potter i think one of the characters i haven't researched it enough but one of these characters is definitely like dresses like Crowley. i'd be interested to to look into that because it's, it's in i think one of the third or fourth movies the intro they have like some kind of what do they call it when they do all the flying around on the 
which rooms yeah when they're doing it there's this guy who like starts off the festivities it looks looks exactly like chromie oh really uh, i have to go back and look i haven't done that's all interesting. and there's the intro one the first one has a guy who's a flat-out alchemist nicholas flamel so one of the characters she put in was an alchemist so oh, she's really? hinting at us yeah in real life yeah see that's not i mean that's right. not yeah, like a real you can go and type into wikipedia flamel and they'll tell you he's a 16th accident. century alchemist yeah right and that really speaks to like what we were saying about her earlier and just jk rowling as an yeah author. so we're much more exposed to it if you live through 9 11 you're very fortunate and uh you're in a much i think we're it's just not it's more liminal than really in front of your face the occultism but it should be i think for uh the average person they need to realize what's around them is really kind of point of a lot of my books really um at the end of your book, rather than giving uh, some crazy predictions about the next 9-11, right. <laughs> you gave us some really good, really good uh, information, like stuff that's in the air, stuff that's in the water, right? One of the points you talk about, which here we are eight, eight years, 10 years after the publishing, over 10 years after the publishing, um, poison vaccines. Currently, a majority of vaccines used in medicine are tainted with poisonous material. How relevant is that in 2021? It couldn't be more relevant. I think that they're really gearing up to, I think that those vaccines are going to cause, I mean, they've already caused tons of deaths. There's probably 50,000, 100,000 deaths in the U.S. maybe. I don't know, but people are dropping dead of those in the long-term effects. And what's really scary is the efficacy of those vaccines is even fake. It's all fake. You probably yeah. should just go get COVID and uh, build your immunity. It's probably better than, um, take, I wouldn't take that vaccine I'm not, I don't take vaccines. I don't take the flu shot as a fraud. So a lot of the stuff that you're in an environment where they're just killing you off. So yeah, I, I really, and I, you can, you, the media is super corrupt and uh, does not have your best interest in mind. So they're, and those, they're billionaires made off of those vaccines. So if you create the panic, you get the money put aside, you make all that money. They're going to just lay on booster after booster after booster because they're going to make a fortune off it. They, to think about the cost of a vaccine times you know 150 million people it's yeah. a lot of lot of money so and i think um, people forget that because it's free it's putting our government more in debt to the um whatever we could call them the oligarchy the synarchy the the elite the illuminati you know whoever it is um you know i know there's a lot of right-wing talk of china you know and then you got the left you know i don't buy into the left-right paradigm honestly at all uh, the people I, at the top are the same. Sorry, you're right. They absolutely are. Uh -huh. And they're all and they're all getting money from pharmaceutical companies and the military industrial complex. And again, that's why I love your book, uh, like the conclusion that you have there in the end with all that before you go into Alistair Crowley's um, writing in the future, which is just a whole nother. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's kind of a grim situation. I think that before uh, uh, before I wrap it up, I just want to I just want you to kind of reiterate to the audience what he was what he really was going for with the book of the law i mean when i read the commentary to me it seemed there's no doubt in my mind that alistair crowley 9 11 and the new world order and again we've got other words the old world order or the great reset now right, right. Good so, yes. so, so what is it what what was he saying you know what what did crowley actually push for well i think ultimately that he he had this vision of his master being installed on a throne so i think it would be he's going to fulfill the book of revelation which is why he borrowed a lot of stuff from the book of revelation so i think that he really wanted the future to be this horror nightmare state of uh really an elite ruling over a herd of people who were uh constantly terrified and and uh in a state of ignorance. So I really think that that was his goal. He would call himself a priest to the princes was one of his things. So uh -huh. I think that he was really, uh, that was what he was gearing for. And um, in some ways, those, those people who will pick up that torch and carry it forward. So uh, you really want to, you got to be, be careful. At some point he says, I'm advocate. He says, you will um, observe that I'm advocating for an aristocratic revolution. And so I am. So I am, right. So, right. 
they're never good when you you know you have it's basically neo-feudalism and you can kind of see this movement toward neo-feudalism right now if you the average person i think there's a significant proportion of the american public 40 or 45 percent that a 500 dollars charge they could not make it they could not pay for an emergency thing so they're just living hand to mouth not much different than a serf in the 16th century medieval environment so uh if you think you're free you might want to go back and re view ideas of freedom liberty uh because if you have a bunch of guys printing up money and they're all going to their friends and they're all getting the the slice of the pie and you're getting a little trickle down i wouldn't say you're free at all and they're i mean to me they're just looting the the the, uh fiscal quality of this country before the great reset or whatever because they can't you can't sustain this amount of debt so uh 4.5 trillion more on i mean they just printed the most money that's ever been printed in the last couple of years. So, I mean, it's terrifying. You gotta, they're gearing, they want the reset. They're putting all the pieces in place to make the reset happen. So you really wanna stay close to home, double down on your guns and uh, don't trust the media. Yeah, great, well said. That's a good point to end it. Before before I let you go, um, I'm really interested in uh, The Children of the Beast. Um, Will you just maybe give me a quick synopsis on what that book is? Yeah, it's just really Crowley's influence. So I go through people in, you know, I talk about Harry Potter in that. I talk about Adolf Hitler, same similar ideology. I talk about some of the people influence that you may know, Timothy Leary, the Beatles, Ozzy Osbourne did a song about Aleister Crowley. Uh, I talk about Kenneth Anger, who was involved in the Manson family with Bobby Boozelay. Uh, and some of these groups like offshoot that people might not know, L. Ron Hubbard in Scientology. He, I mean, you have quotes. There's actually video or audio of him talking about Crowley. And his son said he used to fondle Crowley's material. So Scientology is carrying kind of on the occult tradition or was. It's not as popular anymore because people kind of know its mechanics. But uh, Crowley's influence was uh, much less realized than I think the public knows and I think that book is an attempt to, and I have a video, I have a documentary as well on Vimeo oh, yeah. if you want to watch that. Yeah, so I have a book and documentary on that. It just shows his impact on um, political and cultural events, if you include 9-11. And uh, you also have, uh, I watched a recent interview you did about the Smiley Face murders, which I didn't know about. So do you want to talk a little bit about some of the more recent work you've been doing and books you've been putting out? Sure. Yeah. So I uh, did two documentaries about the Smiley Face Killers, which is a phenomenon of young men disappearing at night in bars all around the world and being found later in water, sometimes much later than should have been two weeks, three weeks, four weeks later. So I did an inquiry into that. It really got its name because people were finding the Smiley Face close to where either the people were put in water or they were found. And the two guys who coined it were Gilbertson and Gannon. And so I thought it was an urban legend, but then I started watching it. I watched a couple guys actually disappear and die uh, being found in water later. And one of them was named Dakota James out of Pittsburgh. And another one was Joey LeBute in Columbus, Ohio. So that they, I just watched that phenomenon. They were at bars, probably possibly drugged, disappeared from their group. So, and then I just put out a book called Global Death Cult, which is pretty, pretty scary, kind of these groups that uh, believe in killing people, believe in culling, and uh, that's really kind of their central ideas, and they uh, absorbed a lot of other occult stuff from Crowley, too, but also other uh, esoteric traditions, and uh, that just came out, and there's stuff that just happened actually yesterday. They had one of these guys who I studied, which is the Temple of Blood, I think in South Carolina. There's just came out information that he may have been a Fed and supplying information to uh, the FBI. So that's pretty crazy. That was in a court document by the guy who's um, being prosecuted by the government. So that's very, and there's been some murders and things associated with that within the last couple of years associated with this group called the Order of Nine Angles in Adam Waffen. So people might want to kind of keep abreast of that. There's some pretty dark things happening in the world right now, for sure. Wow, very interesting. And where can people go to find that book? You can buy it from my website, WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. It's on Amazon. And all five of my documentaries are on Vimeo. And all my books can be found on Amazon. If you want signed copies, you can go to WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. Oh, that's great. So people can just go to Vimeo and uh, type in William Ramsey Investigates and then 
your documentaries will be there. Yeah, I think all my documentaries are under VOD place. If actually, I think the links are at my website. So you can just go to WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com and my Vimeo is in one of the pages on my website. You can just click through and watch them up there. You know, the five bucks a piece, so not very expensive. Yeah, no, and I totally support that. Um, YouTube is trash. You've been kicked off YouTube. I've uh, been kicked off YouTube. I, I, I basically cannot upload any content. I put something out on YouTube. It's immediately gone. I can't say anything. So I encourage people go over, pay the five bucks, get the good information. And again, don't support big corporations like Amazon. Go over to William Ramsey's website, get you a signed copy of one of his books. If you're interested, Prophet of Evil, 9-11 and the New World Order. Alistair Crowley, 9-11 and the New World Order, rather. Um, as well as Children of the Beast, which I'll be picking up soon, and some of your new investigative pieces around, I guess, what we would call true crime, um, really. Yeah, true crime, yeah. I mean, I think it's the phenomenon is real. Through yeah, probably 200 absolutely. or 300 people, it's happened to. It's my face coming yeah, bad. That's, oh, and even, even the global death cult, too, is really kind of, there's murders associated with that. And you said you have a documentary on the global death cult people can find, too? Not yet, no. I do not have uh, Oh, there's a trailer, I think I saw. Um, there might be a trailer for the book. I don't know. Okay, great, great. Okay, well, again, uh, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, my pleasure, Chris. Let's keep in touch. I'd love to have you on, on my show talk about your uh, documentary. Oh, great. Thank you. Awesome, William. Thank you, man. All right, cheers. All right, talk to you soon, man. Bye-bye. Right, Bye-bye.